there. You're listening to Married to the Ministry, which is part of the Love Worth Finding podcast network. If you are a pastor's wife looking for encouragement or for practical wisdom on how to manage all the challenges of your role with a smile on your face, we're so glad you're here. This is your host, Janet Addison, and I'd like to help you embrace truth and delight in your ministry life. I've just made some yummy hot tea, so why don't you grab a cup and let's chat for a while. Hello, ladies, and welcome back to our podcast. If you're a first-time listener, I want to say welcome to you, too. We're so glad you found us, and I hope that you find today's episode to be very helpful for you if you're a pastor's wife, because today we're talking about loneliness. And I've read where when people are talking about the difficulties and challenges of ministry life, the pastor and his wife or a you know, really any ministry couple, loneliness is often at the top of the list of things that they're struggling with. Facebook has warped our definition of friendship. Studies show that people in general, a lot of people are struggling with loneliness, especially after the pandemic. You know, during the pandemic, everybody was isolated and and relationships and community groups really got fractured during the pandemic. So loneliness is something that a lot of people struggle with. But if you're in the ministry, you know, making friends or building meaningful relationships, uh, that's going to look differently simply because of your position in a church family. Years ago, Adrian Rogers told my husband and me that most people want to be known by the pastor more than they want to know him. Have you found that to be true? In your experience, I have since learned that even fewer people want to know or be known by the pastor's wife. For example, can you relate to this? Have you ever been talking to people at church and they couldn't pay attention to the conversation they were having with you because they had one eye or one ear kind of fixed on the conversation your husband was in with somebody else nearby? That's not really good for your self-esteem, is it? (laughs) Some people prefer to put the pastor and his wife on a pedestal. They don't want to know you too well. If you've got faults, they don't want to know about it. And they sure don't want you to know them too well, look at their life too closely. Other people seem to almost have a divine calling to be our friends during the season that we're serving alongside them. And God, uh, I've seen God really raise up people for such a time as this to be my friend before. I hope you've experienced that too. When I was growing up, I watched my parents lose touch with various friends over the years. You know, families move, seasons of life change. And I eventually realized that convenience is really what sustains lots of friendships. But if you want intentional, you know, deep, meaningful relationships, you got to grow those on purpose. And one of the blessings of being called into ministry later in life for me and Greg is that we still have buddies that we made 30 years ago in our Young Married Sunday School class. And they're some of our closest friends now. Even though we've all moved around over the years, our hearts are still close. 
even though our houses are not. And they've been our prayer partners and our sounding boards in ministry. And, um, you know, if I need to vent about those crazy church people, I can vent to those girlfriends uh, without jeopardizing my husband's job. But on a daily or weekly level, pastor wifehood can be lonely because it's harder to build deep friendships with people in our churches. It can be hard to know who's trustworthy. It can be tricky to find true connections with other people in an environment where, you know, church politics and preferences can quickly divide people. Even figuring out where to sit on Sunday mornings can be stressful. Do I sit up front by myself or do I sit with this my same friend every week? I'm going to answer that question for you in a few minutes, so keep listening. But we should also consider that friendship with pastors and wives can also be challenging for church people. Some of them may have been burned or mistreated by staff members in the past, so they might hesitate to befriend another pastor's family. Others may assume, you know, why bother getting to know them when this guy's probably going to move on to a bigger church in another couple of years? And I know from experience People feel like you broke up with them when you take a a job at another church. So sometimes church people have good reasons to not want to be our friends that really have nothing to do with us personally. But it's still an issue that we need to deal with. So I want to look at some practical ways that you can deal with loneliness when you're married to the ministry. And number one, always where we should start, follow Jesus' example. How did he handle loneliness? Jesus attracted many fans and many followers, but he enjoyed true fellowship with only a few people. And even those friends didn't really know him. They misunderstood him. They abandoned him. They betrayed him. Think about Peter, who betrayed Jesus during the crucifixion. James and John were always bickering over who was going to sit next to Jesus in heaven. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were some of Jesus' close friends, but they did not fully understand that Jesus was also God. And other apostles that Jesus interacted with, including Judas, who was in Jesus' inner circle and still betrayed or the ultimate betrayal of Jesus before he was arrested. But did Jesus cut people out of his life when they mistreated him or when they weren't a great friend? Did he hold them at arm's length? Did he isolate himself from other people to avoid being hurt? No. And if I'm following Christ's example, neither will I. So the risk of betrayal, the fear of being understood, the need to protect our own feelings, Satan can use these excuses to keep us from investing in others like Jesus did. So let's not let the devil trap us with loneliness and cheat us from the mission that God wants to accomplish in in the people who are where we are. Number two, we've got to be open to different types of friends. Yes, we should be friendly to everybody. Kindness is something that everybody talks about now and being so important in the just in the world in general. And you think of the power of just a friendly smile and a friendly hello, casual conversations with people, help them feel seen. And that is always appropriate to be friendly to everybody. And also you're not you don't know where a friendship might develop. And 
my experience since we've been in ministry, God seems to handpick the friends I need when I need them. And he raises them up to be my friend. And sometimes they would not have been people that I would have sought out to become friends with. Like in our first church, a sweet, sweet lady, uh, LaDoris, she was my Sunday school teacher. She was about 40 years older than me, but she decided she was going to be my friend. And another lady named Kathy in that same church, she was older than me too. And both of them almost had a God-given desire to come alongside me and just love on me as a young pastor's wife who I was very insecure and who who I was going to be as a pastor's wife. And I was nervous about messing up. And they just came beside me and loved me and just helped me get acclimated to the town. They just looked for ways to minister to me personally. And I'm very grateful for their influence in my life. Our next church, Tina and Mandy and several others who are closer to my age became my friends, kind of raising kids together, that stage of life. And in this church, I think it's funny that my best friends are 26 years old. Much younger women in my life, Allie and Mackenzie and Rebecca, and you know, we're helping teach in a young married Sunday school class. And I can be friends with people who are not the same age as me, with people who are not in the same stage of life as me. Lots of times, pastor's wives think, well, I've got to have friends who are also in the ministry, so they'll understand what I'm going through. And I found that sometimes they will, but more often than not, their ministry journey is completely different than mine. Even if you're looking for a ministry friend, she's not going to have experienced what you experienced. So don't feel like you have to just be friends with people who are also in ministry. Let the Lord surprise you with new friends that you might not have thought to build a relationship with. Number three, look outside the church. Do you have relationships with people who are not members of your church? Building connections with people outside of the church, that can be very challenging, especially for me. If I'm not working outside of the home, then it's hard to meet people, really. And sometimes we spend so much time trying to connect with people in the church that we don't have very much time to seek out relationships outside of the church. But uh, there's no rule that says your friends have got to come from inside your church. So the first thing I think of is we need to have relationships with people who are not in church and people who are not saved. And the more active we are in our communities, the more potential friendships we're going to discover outside the boundaries of our church building. We can invite neighbors to walk and get to know them that way. You can sign up for a committee at your child's school, work on projects with people at the school. You can start conversations at the gym or at the grocery store or at the hair salon. You know, you can volunteer at the local crisis pregnancy center. Look for opportunities to make connections with people who are not in your church. And then we also need to think about uh, strengthening other ministry connections outside of our church. For example, you know, if you went to seminary with people, maybe now's a good time to reach out and try to reconnect with some of those friends or join a Facebook community for ministry wives in your area that might get together periodically for fellowships. Call your local denominational or associational office 
and see if they have any events planned for ministry couples or ministry wives where you can get together with other people in your area who are also serving in ministry. And then, you know, think about can I call other churches around town and maybe invite their pastor's wife to lunch? Uh, you don't have to talk about church if you don't want to, but you can pray for each other and you can encourage each other and get to know each other as friends. So, you know, they don't even have to be in your same denomination. I know my husband has a pastor's lunch that he goes to once a month that's uh, all different kind of pastors in our city. Number four is You're going to think this is weird, but I put, uh, let your husband off the hook. And I know when we as women are feeling lonely, we tend to kind of uh, look to our husbands to fix that. And, uh, you know, maybe he was your soulmate or your best friend when you married him, but don't expect your husband to act like a BFF for the rest of your married life. But what if we are lonely in marriage because... Our husband is distracted or overwhelmed, you know, giving the church needs more priority than he might be given your feelings. I can agree that that is definitely a frustrating phenomenon, and that topic probably deserves its own episode. But God has called our husbands to ministry, and I don't need to let my loneliness and hurt feelings get in the way of Greg accomplishing what God has called him to do. So. You know, what do we do if if we're lonely in our marriage because our husbands are distracted with church stuff? I think back again, you know, God knows that we're frustrated by that. Um, he knows our hearts. He know we're, knows that we're lonely, knows that maybe we're feeling neglected by our husbands. But we always have to look for truth in, in the situation when we're feeling. Let's go back to the Bible. How did God set things up in marriage? Well, first of all, Genesis 2.15 tells us that God made Adam to tend and keep. Adam was alone, so God brought Eve in to his life to be a comparable, suitable helper for him to ease his loneliness. That's Genesis 2.18. So men, God wired men to have a tough work engine, and he gave women a softer heart engine. You know, they're the workers, we're the nurturers. But after sin messed up God's plan, man's work went from maintaining a beautiful garden that God planted to now he has to wrestle with the earth to produce what he needs to survive. You know, work became sweaty labor that yielded thorns as well as, you know, as crops that he was trying to grow. And sin, Eve's sin was really discontentment. She wasn't satisfied with what God has given her. She was wanting more. So discontentment was her sin. And the Bible tells us that God greatly multiplied her sorrow as punishment for her sin. So now pain is going to be part of family dynamics. And good grief, generations later, we're still battling discontentment and difficult family dynamics, aren't we? And and that reminds me of something Adrian Rogers used to always say, that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And that is so true, ladies. You know, God didn't give us a hunky Hallmark hero who was just going to follow us around like a cute little puppy dog and have romantic uh, conversations with us and surprise us with uh, grand gestures of affection. You know, men who work 
fulfill God's design. So we should be grateful for a husband who works because plenty of men out there do not. So it is not my husband's job to fill my emotional tank. God gave him a job that is ministering and spreading the gospel uh, through his area of ministry. So my emotional tank, when I'm lonely, what do I do with that? Well, God himself wants to meet that need for us. And that takes me to number five, be a friend of God. When you're struggling with loneliness, run to Jesus. He is the only person who really cares about every detail of your life. He's the only person who always wants to hear about the joys and the hurts in your heart. Zephaniah 3.17 tells us the Lord God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quit you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And friends, I don't know about y'all, but my friends do not rejoice over me with singing. But the king of the universe does. When we're in close fellowship with Jesus, his spirit dwells in us and his presence overshadows our loneliness. So I just want to ask you, friend, do you think of Jesus as your friend? Only he can satisfy the lonely places in our hearts. Pastor Rogers has a great sermon on this very topic called Dealing with Loneliness that's taken from Psalm 102, 6 and 7. And I'll post the link for that message in the show notes in case you want to listen to that. So if you're feeling lonely, talk with the Lord, read his word, listen to him as he whispers words of love into your heart. And uh, if you've discovered some things that help you deal with loneliness that I haven't mentioned, I'd love to hear what they are. Why don't you share them with us? You can chime in on our Facebook or Instagram page, or you can email me any tips that you might want to share. Because I'd really like to revisit this topic again and include some of the strategies y'all share for how ministry wives can handle loneliness. Okay, now one last thing. If you're wondering where to sit on Sunday mornings, why don't you try this? Sit in a different place every service. That's what I do. First of all, it kind of breaks that expectation that the pastor's wife's got to sit on the front row so everybody knows you're there. Second, picking a different seat each time allows you to connect with people that you might not normally cross paths with. And uh, Sometimes I like to find a lady who looks like she came to the service alone and sit with her. But I've really gotten to know a lot different people than I uh, normally encounter on Sundays just by randomly picking a different place to sit every week. And third, choosing a different place to sit each week sends a message to your church family that you love everyone, not just a handful of people. It's really a good idea to find the grumbly members, the grumpy pants people, the complainy people, the negative Nellies, and just plop down right next to them some Sunday and uh, love on them during the church service. Well, friends, thanks so much for joining me today. It's good to consider ways to deal with loneliness when you're married to the ministry, because that is something that we're all going to face at some point or another. If you've been enjoying these types of conversations we have, would you please share this podcast with other ministry wives? You can uh, email the link to the podcast to a friend, or you can follow Married to the Ministry on Instagram or Facebook and hit the share button. I'll include links for our social media pages and also the Dealing with Loneliness sermon in the show notes. But until next time, ladies, let's keep loving Jesus 
loving our husbands and loving our people. 